Well, good evening, and uh, it's good to be able to laugh a little bit. I know uh, it's good to be in the room. A year ago, we were on the side of a mountain trying to do this and, uh, and being creative in the season we were in, but I love the fact that we're able to be in the room together and just so thankful that, man, I, I mean, I know... Uh, I was telling Janice, it may just be our family here. I said, as hard as it's going to be raining, but man, there's a lot more of you here. Then my faith was there. And so I'm just thankful that you're here. And I know this week has been a uh, tough week. This being our last time we will meet together uh, for 2021. And for some of you, you're you're glad that that's kind of working its way out. But we will not be meeting on Sunday. As most of you know, we take our margin Sunday but uh, this week, I know, has been a tough week for the Oslin family, and I know the passing of their father, Jay, but all of them up here tonight just as an example of what an awesome family and the Lord has done in their lives, and we're just so thankful for that. And, uh, and we will be celebrating Jay's life. We'll let you know more about that as time goes on, but just, again, so thankful for that family and who they are. And, you know, I was looking this week, and as many of you do, you know, you, you, you stumble on uh, Christmas movies you forgot about. You have, uh, some of you may have your favorite Christmas movie. I don't know out there. I mean, I'm sure I could go through many of them here. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember as a kid watching Holiday Inn. Have you ever, ever seen Holiday Inn, Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire? Yeah, I, I watched that. I hate musicals for whatever reason, but I like that one. I have no idea why I like that. But just grew up watching different ones. Chris Rudolph was my, my, my main one during the year. But then as I grew older, Fred Claus became my favorite. I don't know if anybody likes Fred Claus or not, but the Santa Claus elf I know is in there. Die hard for some of you. Uh, but It's a Wonderful Life is one that I think if you go down the list and you Google you know, best Christmas movies, that ends up being right at number one, if not number one, every time, whether you've seen it or not. But it's kind of a strange thing, someone commit, considering committing suicide on Christmas Eve seems like it wouldn't make the top one, but it does. And George Bailey begins to look at his life. Obviously, if you know the movie, if not, you can Google it right now if, you're not, if you've never watched it. Uh, but he ends up wondering what his life would be like if he had never been born. And so it got me thinking, we come here tonight to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Obviously, that's what we do this for, and for many of you, some of it's, I guess some of you are here out of habit, I don't know, or this is what you do, and I'm so glad you're here for whatever reason. But we come here to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But the question I want to ask you tonight, what if he had never been born? What if Jesus had not come when he came 2,000 years ago? Now, I know for some of you, you might look at that and go, oh, well, we'd tell time different. We wouldn't have the same calendar, maybe. For some of you, well, I'd get my Sunday back and get 10% back. You'd be happy about that. I don't know. For some of you, I don't know. But you would think of things going, okay, this, this might be different. But I hope tonight I'm able to just share with you for a few minutes we have here together on this awesome Christmas Eve 2021, a few things that might have been different that you just don't think about very often. I want to read Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7, and there's just a couple of things I want to pull out of this. Obviously, it's something we read at Christmas time, whether it's Christmas Eve or not, but, but you know it, many of you know it almost by heart, but it's Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He was there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him was expecting a child. While they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Or many of you know, there was no room for them at the end. Two things I want to pull out of this that, to camp on just for a few minutes. And one is in those days. Galatians 4.4 tells us, but when the set time had fully come, or in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In those days, in the fullness of time, God sends his son. No accident of when Jesus came. He came when God appointed him to come. Now think about when he came, in those days. The Roman Empire. Politically, the world had become unified under that empire. Language, the Greek language, which would allow the gospel, they didn't know at the time, to move forward, especially the New Testament, to understand it differently. Economically, even though as often it is, many people are rich, two out of every three men were slaves. Morally, they were becoming rotten at the core. And their gods and their philosophers had no answer. And lastly, religiously. The old gods of Rome were dead and dying, and even they had moved to the point of even worshiping Caesar. So what if Jesus had never been born? Now, this may sound more like an apologetic tonight, and, I, and I, that's fine with me. And I realize there's a lot of good things that have come from a lot of places. And so I'm not trying to tell you tonight that things don't come from, if, from people who don't know Jesus, not some good things. But I think it's really important that we understand that Jesus coming changed everything. Women in ancient cult, cultures were often killed or burned when their husbands died. Women were obviously not allowed into the temple, even in the religious sect, even, even not counting the, 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 the Romans, they were not thought of and not uh, held in high esteem. But Jesus coming in, not only were women elevated inside of, uh, inside of the New Testament, as we read and we see in the new church that women were elevated. That's happened over the last 2,000 years. I, I was reading something uh, just recently said the World Health Organization ranks the 10 best nations in the world for women's rights and the 10 worst nations. Correlated with the, with, with the Pew Research finding of what's the percentage of Christians in those nations, the 10 best nations for women's rights in the world are 75% Christian in their population. The 10 worst are all less than 10% Christian. Where Christianity goes... Women have better education. Women have the right to vote. They're, they're allowed to drive cars. In, some, in many places, they're not. But in the other places, and those other 10 lower ones, they're not allowed to do those. 
It's pretty ironic to me, even from a feminist standpoint, they would look at Christianity as constraining, when in reality, when you look at the facts, Christianity has allowed it for women to be elevated into who they are in our culture. And who they are, most of all, as individuals. Science is a consequence of Jesus' birth. One one reason Christianity gave birth to science was its insistence on the rationality of God. Nearly all the founders of modern science were Christians. Blaine Pascal uh, made innovations in mathematics that helped pave the way for computers. And Isaac Newton said this, the most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. It challenged people that it was more than a fluke for us to be in existence. When you look at the medical field, the top 10 hospitals in the world today, nine out of 10 were founded by Christians. And the only one that wasn't founded by Christians was Cedar sinai in LA, but the doctors were trained at Christian universities. Education. The phenomenon of education for the masses was birthed out of the Protestant Reformation. They believed the only way that the Reformation would stick. Now, again, the Protestant of of, of Catholicism, obviously the things that roll out of that, we don't have time tonight to talk about that, but their insistence on educating the masses was if they could not read Scripture for themselves, it would not stick, let alone the priesthood of the believer, let alone having access ourselves to God. But education, of, of, the, of the, all but one of the first 123 university and colleges started in the United States were started by Christians. Harvard, for example, was founded on this statement. Now, we realize a lot of these have gone away from those foundations. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But it was founded on this statement, Harvard. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know Christ and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Founded on that. Art, music, coming out of those who believe. The end of slavery. As much as we know that Christians, no doubt, over the years owned slaves, it was Christians, and you historians will give credit to historians from Wilberforce and those that to, to, to abolish slavery came out of the church. This experiment we call the United States of America, with all of its flaws, was based on that we were created equal. By the Creator. But I think tonight, with all that, and all that's good, and all that's great, and by Christ coming to earth, His people being changed and transformed birth these things. But the greatest reason and the greatest thing that's happened is that we are no longer in darkness. I think back to that moment that I used to celebrate Christmas and my main emphasis for Christmas was 
the presents, the celebration. Now, I enjoyed it. I want to say this. I enjoyed Christmas way before I was a Christian. I thoroughly enjoyed it. As a kid, all the way up through, and as an adult, Christmas was a big deal. And I loved it in our home and in and, and that little town of Wicks, Arkansas. My dad, Christmas was a big deal. So I always enjoyed Christmas. But it wasn't until I gave my life to Christ at 26 years old that I realized that I had missed the point. That the Son of Man, that the Son of God had become the Son of Man so the sons of men could become the sons of God. That the whole purpose of why we celebrate this, of all the good things that have come out of Christ being birthed, it is the fact that people's lives have been changed. And I, and I hope you are part of that group. The church, with all of its flaws, that over these last 2,000 years have had opportunity after opportunity to be extinguished. But somehow, some way, when it starts to get put out one place, it pops up somewhere else. <laughs> God's going to find his people. And he's going to find people who are willing to be obedient no matter what. He's going to find people who are willing to change the world no matter what. And by us celebrating this night, we not only are saved and, 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 and have eternal life, but we have the opportunity to be a part of changing a culture. And I think this day and age... We as a church have got to realize we're not just trying to save souls. We have a chance of impacting culture. We are trying to save souls, and that is our, it's to make disciples. We know that is our great commission, but it is to transform our culture around us. The church has been doing that for 2,000 years. And if we're not careful as a church and as people, we withdraw instead of stepping in. I just hope this year for you as you celebrate Christmas and you celebrate the reason Jesus came and you celebrate the birth and yes, the resurrection because many, all men are born, I guess, in that sense, but only one died and rose again. So obviously that's why we celebrate tonight. But I just felt like tonight it would be good for us just to remember the impact of his birth is more than just you getting to heaven. It's to transform your life for you to transform the lives of those around you. My question is for you tonight, it's not what if you had never been born? You really didn't have any choice in that. What you do have a choice in is whether you're born again. So much hinges on that. Not just your eternal life, in our opinion as Christians. It's how you raise your children. It's how your marriage functions. <laughs> it's how you interface with people every day. Because I believe the greatest apologetic for Christ, sure, we can list off these things I listed for you tonight, and that's good to know, and it builds our faith. But the greatest apologetic for Christ's coming <clears throat> is a transformed life. And it's a life that has a, something about it that's unexplainable apart from Christ. 
And my hope for you this season is not just the fact that we have a Merry Christmas and that's great. And I know for some it's time of sorrow, but it's a time of celebration. But I hope and pray, as Pastor Dana's already said here tonight, it's a time to stop even with your kids and just remember this is why we do what we do. I love Christmas Eve service. You know, and I, I don't know during the era of COVID, we've had more celebration out front, more time for people to come and hang out. And I know we've changed some things, but I'm looking forward to the day we get to hang out a little more. But I hope and pray tonight that you realize you're not only connected as we're going to celebrate here in just a moment. And as we sing Silent Night and celebrate and lighting of the candles. As you're not only connected around the world with people doing that tonight, you're connected to generations who have been doing this same thing that have changed the world. And it is time, as you well know, for hope to be more than fear. And the church is the place that should be sowing that hope. Anybody tired of hearing fear? (laughs) Fear, fear. We're the voice and should be the megaphone of hope, hope, hope. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to move to a time, get you guys out of here and go celebrate with your families wherever you're going. But we're going to celebrate as the church is doing around the world tonight. And I'm sure simultaneously the church is even here in the valley. And the lighting of the candle and the fact that we are the light that is not going to be extinguished, right? Never has been. And and darkness cannot overcome it. So I'm going to ask you guys to help me tonight. And I know, again, we are in the window of COVID and you can decide whether you want to participate in this or not. But hopefully you will. And uh, again, there's no pressure to do that. But I'm going to pray for us. And if you'd stand with me, and Josiah's going to lead us in just a moment, but if you'd stand with me as I pray. Lord, we come tonight with your church around the world and over the centuries. I'm just reflecting. Maybe just for a moment tonight, Lord, if people have said yes to the reality of you living in their lives, what it was like before that. Because, Lord, we know tonight, I I am convinced that everything hinges on this decision. And, Lord, I just pray as we take this time now as a community of believers to join together and being the light of the world. Your word says that you've called us out of darkness. Let us be that example in the world today that needs it so bad, Lord. And we just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sing with us.